episode, Greg and I invited Gustavo Imhoff, CX consultant, to our studio to talk about his concepts of what customer experience is and what isn't. From now on, CX Insider is going to publish an episode each week, each Monday morning. So make sure that you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out any of our upcoming episodes. Welcome to another CX Insider podcast episode. This is Valentina speaking and today I am joined by Greg and Gustavo Imhoff. Hello guys, how are you? Hey Valentina, you right? Hey Valentina, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Gustavo, you are an expert in customer experience. You're a professional with many years of experience in this field. Would you tell us a bit about yourself and how did you how did you build your profile, your career profile in customer experience? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the story of people that said that they kind of fell into it or they started in contact center and then they transitioned. That's not me. I literally, I discovered customer experience while at university. It was one module I had in my master's. I loved it so much. It became my thesis for my master's that then got uh, published in uh, the International Journal of Market Research a couple of years later. But I've been customer experience pretty much ever since graduating and, and then some. And I spent, first I started on the consulting side with voice of customer programs, and then I moved brand side and I've been in customer experience ever since. So my entire career has been surrounded around improving the lives of customers, of the practices of businesses and sharing my thoughts on innovation and best practice in the field. So as you know, I'm quite vocal rightly or wrongly, but I'm uh, quite vocal about where I think customer experience is, where it's going, and more importantly, where it should be or shouldn't be. Gustavo, you're also an author, um, and you co-authored this upcoming book called Customer Experience 3, which people can now buy on Amazon in a Kindle, a Kindle version or in a digital form- format. And I think this book is going to be published in a couple of days, right? On the 25th of March, yes. Mm-hmm. So I myself happen to have the previous two books at home called Customer Experience 1 and 2, unsurprisingly. I must say some of the chapters are really interesting. So can you tell us uh, what can we expect or what can the readers expect from your chapter? Yeah, so for people who never came across the, the series of books, it's essentially a collaborative book where, or series of books, I should say, where every chapter is the most up-to-date and the most provocative thinking of each one of the authors. So in my book, we have 28 different authors spanning across three continents, and you have people working brand side as well as uh, consultants or independent uh, researchers, and we all share our biggest thinking in the space. And my topic, it's all about memories. And the title of the book, of, of my uh, chapter is Experiences Don't Matter, Memories Do. And I'm really trying to challenge the way we as a profession actually look at our field and trying to challenge us and think, have we been getting it all wrong all along? And that's the, the premise of the chapter that, that I contributed to this, uh, to this wonderful project great great thought leaders so i'm very privileged i feel like the odd one out but very privileged to be part of this uh, this project 
Fantastic. I really love your thought process there, Gustavo, because I think customer experience is such a broad industry that there are many facets of how we approach customer experience, which probably haven't changed for a long time. And I really, we're really drawn to your ideas of how you should think about customer experience in maybe a different way. And I guess, I guess that brings us quite, I guess, uh, onto our first question quite well, which is, um, instead of starting necessarily on a positive note, maybe let's start on a slightly different note. So let's start looking at things from mistakes that organizations make. So I guess a question to you would be, what are the most common mistakes that organizations make when it comes to you know, defining their customer experience strategy or maybe going on a process to completely overhaul their, their customer experience? Yeah, what are the, the, the major mistakes that the organizations make from your experience? And then I guess turning that into a bit more of a positive down the line, where do you recommend they therefore start? You know, what are your ideas about places to start or how to redefine that strategy in the right direction? So the key thing with customer experience is that we often tend to forget what it's all about. And here's the thing that always shocks people whenever I talk about it, whether it's for a podcast or job interview or anything, I always say that it's not about the customer. Customer experience isn't about the customer because all companies need to run for a profit. And if you don't run for a profit, you're not going to go very far. So I always say that customer experience is a means to an end. It's a business strategy that can enable the business to grow faster in a more sustainable way, but it's a strategy. It's not a way of being, it's not a way of life, it's not a philosophy, and it's not something that you're going to hope that karma or altruism pays back uh, in some way or shape or form. It's a business strategy, and like any other, it needs to impact the bottom line. I think not having this realization is by far the biggest challenge that organizations face. They think we're going to focus on the customer because taking care of the customer is great, is the right thing to do, but they forget that actually it's, it is the right thing to do, but for the business rather than the customer. Now, if I had to list out mistakes, there are, unfortunately, there are <laughs> quite a few yep. there and I probably post about one horror story a week on LinkedIn at the very minimum. But the, the key thing is all spans from that perspective of forgetting that the customer is a, is a stakeholder of the business and needs to be treat, treated as such. They're not the be-all and end-all organization. And we need to kind of equate a win-win situation. So the typical, typically one of the biggest problems, the most frustrating problems I see is businesses wanting to exceed customers' expectations. It's all about singing and dancing and providing the, the story that will become viral and make everyone happy. Like, yeah, that's great. But if I cannot get in touch with your live agent or your chatbot isn't working or I cannot order on your website, what's the point? Right? What's the point of getting an all singing and dancing experience if I don't manage to do what I came came to you to do. Mm. There's no point. So I always say basics first. Um, I, I wrote a couple of weeks ago saying boring is now sexy. So yes, the basics is boring, but that's where the money is. Fix the, the basics before you go uh, beyond. I love that. Very interesting. 
Yep, think of the basics. I wanted to, uh, I came across one of your latest LinkedIn articles and for anyone who's interested, read it. You can find it on Gustavo's LinkedIn profile and also CX Insider LinkedIn page shared it. Um, and some of the quotes taken out of context were very thought provoking. It's called, the article is called five bulletproof ways to go bankrupt with customer experience. And the one very first way that you were talking about was about exceeding customer expectations. And to justify this argument, you used Herzberg's two-factor motivational theory, which is very interesting because I have learned about this theory at university. And the way this theory was originally built was to understand the key motivating factors for your employees to work at, in, at, your, at, the, at their workplace. And you kind of transformed it and used it in some in customer experience. Just to explain a bit to the audience, for those who don't know about this theory, is that there are two motivating factors which motivate your employee to work for you. The very first kind is the hygiene factors, which won't necessarily motivate your employee to work to go the extra mile or to be happy. But in this case, if the if the employer doesn't satisfy these needs, um, it will make them very, very unhappy. Um, so, for example, it could be the minimum wage or the, some health and safety measures. And then there are the motivating factors, which will make your employee very happy and will motivate them to improve their working performance. And in customer experience or from the customer's perspective, as I understood in your article, you're saying that if the customer... Um, if the if the customer's motivating expectations will be met or motivating factors, um, the next time it uh, it will become the very bare minimum. So this they will automatically expect these things. Um, will that this will become the hygiene factor, um, and it will inevitably become more expensive to keep this customer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're mostly there. And as you said, five ways to go bankrupt customer experience. You can see that I hate drama and I want to be as vanilla as possible with my content. But you're absolutely right. So that, that two-factor theory is essentially some things are going to dissatisfy you if they're not there and it won't matter if they are. And some things are going to don't want, matter if they're not there and they're going to satisfy you if they're not. And that, that's just one theory, right? Is if we look at marketing research, there's another model that is also there, but it talks about satisfiers, dissatisfiers, and there's four categories. And I just prefer the the hygiene factor because that's where that really resonates. Is like it's basic hygiene, right? If you don't have basic hygiene, you're not gonna go far. And they both essentially say the same thing. Now, if I look from the marketing field, you would have something that can only dissatisfy if it's not there or if it's there, something that can only satisfy if it's there or not there, something that will either satisfy or dissatisfy, and then the ambivalent, the one that doesn't really matter. So you can do a bit more in granularity, but the key concept there is don't try, uh, ex well, first, don't try to exceed expectations anywhere, in particular on the hygiene factors. So let's imagine I'm going to go to a burger joint because the, the lockdown is getting me crazy and I cannot wait to go back in a restaurant. If the restaurant is clean, I'm happy. 
right? If I see cockroaches around, I'm going to be disgusted. If it has been cleaned to the same level as a vacuum room in some NASA black ops site, doesn't matter. I need it to be clean enough. So that, that's a hygiene factor, right? The restroom being clean is a hygiene factor. I need it to be clean enough. What's the point on going all singing and dancing and making completely disinfected if I don't notice? It's going to be incredibly expensive for the business because they need to do a lot more cleaning rounds, a lot more expensive products, a more thorough cleaning, but that's not going to impact my experience. So th there's some aspects where we may want to delight the customer where it doesn't matter. Now, that, that, that's the first point. The other point, as you said, is about resetting expectation. So um, delight is, so when we exceed expectations, we can qualify it as delight. It essentially means expectation exceeded plus surprise. Right, so it's I'm going beyond what the customer was thinking they would get when coming in. So they're getting more and they're surprised about it. That's essentially what delight is. And the problem is surprise itself is not something that you can consistently do. I mean, when a Hilton Double Tree decided to give a chocolate chip, a chocolate chip cookie to people coming in, that was a nice surprise. No one knew about it. Now, however many years on, if I go to a double tree, probably I would never be able to afford it myself. But if I'm going to a, to a conference and they pay for, for my hotel, if I don't get the cookie, I'd be disappointed. I'd be, I'd be let down because there's all that noise about that great experience. I'm going to expect that cookie and I'm not going to have it. So as you said, it becomes a hygiene factor. Here's the problem. It's going to set the bar. The bar is going to be more expensive. Because I, as a supplier, as Hilton, and I'll need to factor in the price of the cookie as part of my costs, and it's not having the delight effect anymore. So if I want to continue delighting, I need to go one step further. Maybe I'm going to give a free upgrade to, to, to my customer. And my customer might think, oh, I've been going to Hilton for forever. I'm always going to get a free upgrade. So either I give the upgrade and I lose the margin on the between the two products or I disappoint the customer. So we can quite easily exceed expectations as a process and have it coming back to bite us in the back. And that, that, that is a real challenge is we're setting the expectation, we're increasing the expectation and going further and further. Obviously, I'm simplifying. There are some cases where the expectation won't be exceeded. Well, it will be exceeded, but you won't reset the expectations. There are cases where the customer will forget about it. And we need to also keep in mind that it's going to hurt the business, but it's more likely going to hurt the, the competition. Why? Because if I am setting a new standard for my industry, everyone else needs to, to catch up with it. So if I want to be clever about it, it needs to be financially viable, but I want to make it as hard to replicate as possible. Then, perfect. I exceed expectation. It might be a bit more expensive. I'm not sure it might actually work out in terms of return on, in terms of ROI, but I'm hurting the competition. That could make sense. But because there's that blanket advice, always exceed your customers, always wow your customers, I tend to come in and say, wait a minute, stop everything. Go back to the basics first, because if your basics aren't working, 
if the flush in the toilet in the restaurant isn't working, if you see cockroaches on the floor, that's not going to work. You need to get the basics down first and then potentially exit expectations, but know that there's a very narrow situation, very narrow set of conditions where exceeding customers' expectations actually make sense. Mm. It's very tricky. I And I can't help but think that I understand what you're saying, but also if you don't create the light and surprise, uh, what you will then create is a mediocre customer experience. And so then how do you beat the competition? Because the competition will be then better than you. Um, and as you said, like you said, it's about the memory. And what the customers will remember is that they got a pretty mediocre customer experience. I guess it's, it's, it's a difficult task to set the right set of expectations or the right set of things that, that your customer should expect. But And also, so it doesn't increase the cost or it doesn't ruin your business financially. Yeah, but here's the interesting thing though, Valentina, is you are making the assumption that the competition is delivering okay experiences, that the basics are covered. And we know that more often than not, it's not. So essentially what I'm saying is before you try to go on the light, just rise above the competition by consistently delivering what you promise you deliver, by consistently making the, the very simple stuff, get it right. Just that in the state of customer experience nowadays, just that is going to delight because the bar is so incredibly low. Then afterwards, absolutely. If you want to try and find a way to differentiate yourself and create a competitive edge, having a branded experience that is memorable for the right reasons, then that does, that's the next level. But truth is, about 85% of companies, and by the way, I'm completely making the 85% up, I don't have any research to back it, but 85% of companies would be much better off trying to fix the basics before they try to wow. And that, that, that's the key thing is, Get the basics right before you exceed expectations. And if you want to exceed expectations, be really careful about it. Don't forget, you essentially still have money to make. You need to pay the bills because if the customer becomes unprofitable, you will eventually bankrupt. It may take a long time, but that's basic mathematics. If you spend more than you get in, there's a gap and that gap will grow, grow, grow until, until taken care of or until it takes care of you. Interesting. And Gustavo, I guess to feed off of that, I guess why I really, I guess, believe in that approach myself is that if you focus as an organization, if you focus on getting the, the fundamentals in place, so getting the basics right, what that does is it gives you the platform to then experiment successfully with the more advanced ideas of how you can improve customer experience. Um, but if you try to do it the other way around, which which I guess is what you're saying here, is that people don't get the basics right and they try to experiment with these uh, new and innovative ideas about how to make the experience uh, you know, a lot better, ultimately that, that's going to fall short because if you, all it takes, like you say, is one slip up on the basic level of expectation. And then, then even if you've given someone you know, 50% off of their next purchase or something, you know, a, a huge offer, let's say, it will fall short if 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 uh if the first basic level of ex expectation is not met anyway so i completely agree with you is that although that's not an attractive or uh, let's call it a sexy strategy to actually 
put in place uh, by a CX leader is actually so fundamentally crucial because if you don't put the basics in place, you can't possibly successfully implement uh, more innovative CX strategies anyway, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. And just to, to balance on top of that, Greg, you were talking about giving 50% off as a compensation. And there's a study that came out a few years ago, peer-reviewed study, that I find fascinating. It's about the, uh, will be the price of the competition, kind of, um, so lowest price guarantee, kind of discounts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, so if you see it anywhere else, we'll give you the money back or we'll give you twice the money back or et cetera. And that is essentially setting an expectation, right? Is setting the expectation, I'm the cheapest in an X miles radius. Come to me because I'm going to spare you the window shopping and comparison. Just come to me straight. And what they found is that actually they they trying to, to run some studies where they were trying to surprise and exceed people's expectations in terms of the reward they get. So let's say I'll give you the money back. Well, what about I give you the money back plus uh, $50. Mm. That'd be amazing, right? Like intuitively you think, oh my God, I had such a bargain. But actually it's completely the opposite because to me then it signals the fact that I'm overcompensating on a promise I made that I couldn't keep, right? So I made a promise. I gave you an expectation. I couldn't deliver on it. And I'm trying to be sneaky about it because I'm giving you a massive reward. So yeah. I'm now... I'm actually really pissed off at the organization. I'm mm-hmm. not going to shop back because they knew that was going to happen and they actually tried to engineer a service recovery, a heroic service recovery experience as part of the journey. So it's really interesting to have that that balancing act. And even when you do the recovery, after you, you fall short of expectations, you don't want to make it look over-engineered or you don't want it to feel over-engineered because otherwise the customer is going to catch up to it and it's going to hurt a lot more than than you'd think. Interesting. And then uh, one one question uh, I've definitely got is is off the back of something you said earlier, which is that you know customer experience doesn't really matter more about the memories uh, that that do matter. So I guess a question from a from a, a CX strategist might be why why is the customer experience customers memory sorry more important than the actual experience itself and in the answer to why how does how does an organization set itself up for that premise so let's let's take a very simple uh, example obviously there's lots of research and that's the core of my chapter so i don't want to go too much in depth into it however let's imagine and t- take as a given the fact that your experiences don't impact your future decisions, right? The fact that we're recording this podcast doesn't impact the way I feel about about you or Valentina and how how well we got along. What Mm -hmm. does impact it is what I remember about it, is how I'll recall this experience of recording this this podcast with you guys because uh, memory is essentially a playback or a recollection of what happens. That's information that I've stored and that I can use for my future decision-making. But he, here's the thing. Memories aren't actual faith recreations of experiences. What we experience and what we remember are two different things. And therefore, what do we want to focus on? 
on what drives behaviors or what doesn't. And that's why I say kind of the experience doesn't matter because the experience isn't going to influence behaviors. It's what I remember of that experience that will. So if I want to be really cautious and take my customer experience to the next level, I should make sure that I engineer it for memorability, first and foremost. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. There was one more point I wanted to ask you about the LinkedIn article that you wrote. You said we shouldn't be customer-centric. And, <laughs> okay, don't get me wrong. I, I love the way that you that you explain things. You're like, a, you're like a Nietzsche's hammer, right? You come with a hammer and you deconstruct the way everyone else is thinking to the basics and then you rebuild the, the new way that people should think about it or you um, or, or new concepts of it. But really, isn't being customer-centric the very core of the customer experience approach? So I'll start by saying that I've been called many things in, in the past. Something much worse than Hammer, but Hammer is the first. So thank you, Valentina. <laughs> but essentially, if we think very carefully about it, customer-centric means that the customer is at the center. The customer is at the center. The customer is the first priority. The customer is the first priority on top of everything else. It means that every other stakeholder is secondary to the customer. And that's where I disagree. A company doesn't exist to serve the customer. A company is an asset that is there to drive value for the shareholders. Whether it's a private or on the stock market, I don't care. But essentially, a company is made up of investments that are there to grow and drive more value for the, for the owners. If they do not, if I get less return investing in a company than I would do through treasury bonds, then why on earth would I invest in a company when I have uncertainty, I have risk, when I can instead invest in the government? That, that's the key thing, right? Is ultimately a business is an investment for the shareholders. And if the shareholders aren't getting the return they want, they're going to take the money away. And if there's no money, we cannot serve the customer. So I always say that the customer is a super important uh, stakeholder, but he's not the first stakeholder. So I, I don't say let's put customer first because you probably want to put the shareholder first. Now, I know it's a very, very tricky stance to have because a lot of the customer experience industry has been saying, stop thinking just of shareholders and think of the customer. But I'm saying that there is room for both because what you want to do is that through a focus on the customer, you want to think of the shareholders. You want to look at your customer experience strategy as a means to an end to drive value. The only reason as an organization that we must care about customer experience is because there's something in it for us, right? That's the thing is there isn't altruism in business. Everything an organization does must have a return of some way, shape, or form. Whether it's greater engagement with their employees, which means greater retention, greater uh, productivity. Whether it's investing in the community, so it's about my brand, how I'm perceived. Everything an organization does must have some kind of return. And what I'm saying is the customer, the focus on the customer, a customer-first strategy or customer-aware 
strategy, as I prefer to mention it, customer aware strategy, needs to drive results. The only reason boards care about improving customer experience is because improving customer experience should improve the bottom line or the top line. That's it. If you forget the financial element of the strategy, you're doomed. The problem is that when people say customer-centric, as I said, they put the customer first and they often tend to forget the rest. They say, oh yeah, if we improve the experience, uh, we'll get more money because ABC, but there's no proof point. There's just wish marketing, right? Is I'm praying I'll get some return from this. And that's not good enough. With the amounts that are spent on customer experience, because we're talking tens of billions every year, with the amount spent on customer experience, just being wishy-washy isn't enough. And th- that's what I see a lot of. And that's why I say, look, let's not be customer-centric because you still have bills to pay. Fantastic. And then, Gustavo, the last question that I have, I guess, plays on the similar idea here about, uh, I guess, advice that you would have for someone who is, let's say, newer to working in the customer experience industry and potentially is is looking at a longer term career in this space, um, you know, an aspiring CX leader. What advice would you give to someone in that position from, from your experience? So, rightly or wrongly, customer experience relies a lot on influencing. A lot of customer experience is about convincing people who own processes, who are responsible for processes, that their practices need to change. That's essentially, in a nutshell, with data and so on surrounding it, that's what customer experience is. It's about changing the business with close to zero authority, or direct authority at least. The biggest advice I can give is don't learn just about customer experience. Don't focus just on what you as a customer would want because you're going to be very one-sided and you're going to forget the perspective of the company. Instead, study business. Become a real business person. And what I mean by that is understand the basics of accounting. Understand the basics of finance. So why do we need? What is EBITDA? What is net profit? What is gross profit? Learn the lexicon of your key stakeholders and be able to talk to them in their language. So when I talk to an IT person and we discuss about React.js, Node.js and APIs, it's a lot clearer to them that I understand a bit of what they do and that can relate to the challenges they have. The same thing if I'm talking to an accountant if I demonstrate, I understand what the PNL is, I understand the difference between assets and, and actives, etc. That's going to help me. That's going to help me because if I speak to my stakeholder in their language, they'll be a lot more receptive because I've made the investment to understand their world and to portray in their eyes, in their universe, what impact the customer has. That's what it's all about. Ultimately, you want to make sure you understand your stakeholders so that you can show to them what's in it for them. Show them that they can be the star. Show them how you can enable them through focus on the customer to look good, to be appreciated, and to shine in your business. That's the biggest thing. It's not about the technical knowledge about customer experience because, let's face it, the industry still doesn't agree what customer experience even is. We don't even agree on how to define it. So don't don't focus too much on that. Focus on being a great person at engaging, at understanding your stakeholders. 
If you're interested to get more details on what Gustavo does, feel free to contact him on his LinkedIn profile and don't forget to check out his latest book called Customer Experience 3. And I will see you next Monday.